Well, good morning. As we start out this service, let's just open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, this wonderful day that you have given us. I just pray that you would help us to look through Scripture. And as Dwayne noted, today, this Sunday, is not about mothers. It's ultimately about you. I'm praising and glorifying your holy and precious name. And we just thank you and praise you um, for mothers and for the example they give us that they trained us. And I just pray that as we look through scriptures, we get a greater glimpse of the qualities of a godly mother. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we start out today, you can turn to Proverbs 31. Uh, There was a famous uh, preacher one day on Mother's Day. Uh, He gave this perfect tribute to his mother. He said, my mother practices what I preach. (laughs) Uh, uh, Mother's Day is always a great time where we can um, celebrate our mother. And I thought it would be good for us today to see what the qualities of a godly mother are. And as I was thinking about that, the Proverbs kept coming to the forefront of my thought. And so I thought, well, let's take a look at the Proverbs and have for us to learn. And so the first one we are looking at is Proverbs 31.10. And again, I'll read it. It says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. And that's the first point we're going to be looking at. She is an excellent wife. Now, just previous to this in the proverb, you can read in chapter 31, verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. And the next nine verses are what his mother taught him. And there's a little debate on whether it's chapter, verse 10 is a continuation of that or written by someone else. But... Verse 10 through 31 is written, uh, each verse correlates with the Hebrew alphabet. So this was something that the Hebrew women um, could easily learn because it correlated with their alphabet. Um, It was something that they were supposed to memorize. It was something that they were supposed to cherish in their heart, uh, something that they were supposed to remember as they go about life, uh, what it means to be an excellent wife. And we're going to learn a few things from just this verse 1. And the first one is she is a virtuous woman. This excellent um, literally is of strength, that is of moral courage. If you went to Ruth real quick, uh, we are familiar with the account of Ruth. In chapter 3, verse 11, I'm going to start in 10, it says, And he said, May you be blessed, Ruth, by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you asked. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And that worthy woman is the same word as excellent Woman, and so she is. I think uh, the King James Version version says virtuous woman. Uh, she is all those things. 
And you might ask what makes her so excellent, and it goes on to outline that for us in the rest of this proverb. And we're going to go through this real quick. And this is a good proverb for um, all those women. Uh, There's another one for men that we'll get to, but this is a good one to read consistently, to even memorize, and to remember um, what an excellent wife is. It says, the heart of her husband, verse 11, trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of his life, all the days of her life. This is someone who the husband can trust in completely, even when he goes away. Uh, I was listening to a sermon that was talking about how men would um, kind of hide all their things from the women before they would leave they didn't have much trust in them. And so this is a man who can trust in his wife completely. She is like the ships of a merchant. She brings her food from afar. She's always looking for the best food, a new taste, something new to make. And he correlates this with a ship of a merchant. And a merchant would go long distances to either collect or sell their food. And she is like that. She gets her food from afar. And this isn't like today where you could just get in your car and travel down the road. Uh, For her to get her food from afar, she has to walk that distance to go get it. So this is quite the sacrifice for her to do. And she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She provides for them in that way. She considers the fields and buys it. Uh, With the fruit of her hands, she plants it. She's a worker. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Uh, They would have lamps running all night long, as we talked about with the parable of the, what's that called? Ten virgins. And so light also... Uh, was seen as life. There was life in the house because she always kept, kept it lit. She puts her hands to the distaff and she, her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She provides clothes for them. She provides food for them. She's not worried about the cold. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is of fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the lands. Her actions have a direct impact on him, and in this case, a positive impact on him. She makes linen garments and sells them. She's profitable. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Again, remember in verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable, and now she is going and selling them. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth to wisdom, and the teachings of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And now look at this. She is an excellent woman. She does all these wonderful things. She provides for her family. She makes clothing. She prepares food for them. She's a worker. Her children, verse 28, rise up and call her blessed. 
her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm and deceitful, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her words works praise her in the gates. Now, some of those things you might say, well, that's not really applicable for today, but the principles are applicable for today. Um, she is a woman, as it says, who has done excellently and she's surpassed them all. And ultimately, the most important thing, right? But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so she is a excellent wife. But getting back to this verse 10, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. As I was thinking about that verse, I was thinking, well, she's unique. And as I was thinking about the fact that she's unique, it also was thinking about the fact that women aren't inherently excellent. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Uh, but it's true. Um, actually, that's something that the world is really, at least in social media, harking on at the moment. You're unique. You're special. You don't have to change in any way. Um, you're fine just the way you are. And I'm telling you, maybe not. <laughs> and this applies to everyone, not just women. <laughs> um, but she is unique. Look. Who can find? He's asking this question because she's hard to find. That's what he's saying. Not impossible, just hard to find. She's a unique catch, this woman. And if we always look around at our life and say, well, I'm good here, I'm good here, I'm good here, you're never going to grow because you're never going to see where you need to grow. And we need to acknowledge that maybe we aren't that excellent wife, but maybe we can be that excellent wife. Or maybe we're not that excellent husband, but we can be that excellent husband. If you don't see where you need to grow, then you aren't going to try to fix those areas and you end up not growing. And this is really a biblical principle right to the core of the gospel. Seeing our need for Christ is what leads us to Christ. We see our sin, we see that we need a Savior. And we see Christ as that Savior who can take away our sin. Um, and then going forward, we continually see areas in our life where we are faltering, where we are sinning, and we repent of those things, and we turn from those things, and we grow from those experiences. So, this excellent wife, she is virtuous, she is unique. And she is hard to find. And he again says, who can find? And this is just, it's difficult to find this woman. And again, not impossible. And I would like to, we have to, before the women get too mad, we'll go to Proverbs 26. It says, many man proclaims his steadfast love but a faithful man who can find. Um, and so it says it of men as well. And just like I would encourage women to memorize verses 10 through 31, men, you should memorize Proverbs 20. Um, it will do you great good through the days of your life. 
Alright, so she is hard to find. It's a rare find. There are few of them, which is why he correlates it later in as a precious jewel, right? You don't find many of those in the world. You're not going to go outside today and find a precious jewel. For you to go find that precious jewel, you are going to have to go somewhere special. You're going to have to dig a long time, and then you will find that jewel. And when you find that jewel that woman she is going to be special 12 proverbs 12:4 an excellent wife again is the crown of her husband but she who brings shame is like rottenness to his bones right the excellent wife is like the crown of her husband um, he is that special jewel um, there his prized possession there is nothing more precious in his life than she, except for God. I always tell Amy, she's number two, <laughs> which is good. God's first, um, Amy's second, and that's how it's going to be, even with Clark. <laughs> He's number three, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, but when you have that excellent wife, she is number one in your life, and she is the crown that is on your head. And again, you will, if you have that wife, you will hopefully, her husband also, 28, he praises her. And he says, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Um, this is something that when we have those excellent wives, we should be telling them. We should be praising them for that, not in an unhealthy manner, um, but in a way that points out the fact that in verse 30, right? She is a woman who fears the Lord. All right, so she is hard to find, and again, she is precious. And it says she is far more precious than jewels. Um, jewels is just a representation of something that was rare, something that was highly sought after. Um, more precious than that, more precious of the things of this world. So, for this first parable, women, I think, seek, seek to be this. Um, try to be this woman. Don't just assume that you are this woman. And then men, go seek to be the man in Proverbs 20. Uh, where are areas that we can do better? Because we always can do. And if you're a man, we should be in a healthy sense, praising the woman who is a good mother, who is a godly woman, who helps lead our kids more towards Christ, encouraging them to do that. And then children, bless your mothers. Don't be a curse to them. <laughs> so that's the first parable that I was thinking about as I was going through Mother's thinking about Mother's Day, but the other one's Proverbs twenty two six. So let's turn there. It says, "Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it." A big aspect of Mother's Day is being a mother. And this verse is interesting. Well, my point is she is an instructive mother. 
This train up a child, this train is the same word that is used to dedicate. It is to dedicate your child to the Lord. Um, it is used all, this is the only time this word, uh, Hebrew word is used as train. All other times it's used as dedicate. So we are dedicating our child. We are training them in the way that they should go. And this is not just letting our kids be kids. Um, we hear that often. Well, it's just a kid. Well, kids will be kids and that kind of thing. And we aren't supposed to be just letting them to their own demise. We are supposed to be training them in the way that they are to go. And this is important. The first few years of a child's life are the most informative years of their life. You may have heard this quote. I think it's from Aristotle. I'm not quite sure. I couldn't really get to the bottom of where it was from. But it says, give me a child for seven, give me a child till he is seven years old and I will show you the man. And the point of that is the younger part of his life is the most informative years. He thought he could have a man by seven years old. And you might ask, well, how do you train a kid? I'm just going to give three simple things. By instruction is the first ones. Kids need to be told what's right and wrong, even from a very, very young age. Um, it's what they're learning. I mean, you just, I look at Clark, and he's looking at me. I'm just thinking, what's going through your head? But he's learning. He's learning very, very quickly about his feet, about his hands, and all that kind of stuff. No, I'm just kidding. But he is watching me. And as he continues to get older, he's going to keep watching me. And he becomes one. He's going to learn how to walk like me. He's going to learn how to talk a little bit like me. He's going to learn some of my mannerisms. He's watching me. And he's going to learn some of my morals. But your kids are going to learn by instructions. Again, they need to be told what is right, what is wrong. Let's be honest, kids are evil from birth. They need to be told what is right and what is wrong. But part of that is disciplining. Now we're going to go through a few different verses here, and I just want you to take note of the discipline aspect of this. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. It says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but whoever loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. That would be a good idea. Chapter 22, 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives him far from it. Chapter 23, 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Chapter 29, verse 17. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give you delight to your heart. Hopefully this isn't something new to you. Hopefully you have acknowledged that disciplining your kid, as difficult as it is, the difficult thing to do for your child is to discipline them. I know that. Clark's not there yet, but I know when he does something bad, 
Um, that day is going to come where I'm going to have to discipline him. And that's going to be the hard thing to do. The easy thing to do would be let him get away with it. Um, but ultimately, right, the discipline helps them understand what is right and wrong, which is going to help them in the long term, which is, could even help them understand their need for Christ. And so it becomes important, right? Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will, be, he will give you delight to your heart. So that's the first one. That's how we end up training our kids. Um, train your kids in the way they should go. The first way is by instruction. The second one is by teaching. And I was just thinking, if you have kids, you can ask yourself this question, but how many hours do you spend teaching your kids godly morals, teaching them the Bible? How many hours a day do you spend showing them those morals? The thing is, we can't relinquish our duty as parents to train them, to teach them um, godly morals. And we try to do this in many different ways. I think one of the big ones, sports, you always hear sports build character. And I'll tell you that sports do not build good character. You can look at the top athletes of the world. They should be the people with the greatest character of sports build character. And they do not have very good character. Sports don't build character. Parents do. And we can't relinquish that duty. There might be some good in sports. I'm not saying they're bad. But you can't expect them to just play a sport and then end up with good, godly character. The other runs church. Although we do teach kids here, we have Olympians, we have Sunday school, we have a ton of different things. And I'm all about kids, and I'm all about kids' programs. Um, but you can't relinquish your duty as a parent to train your kid to the church. Uh, we only have a limited amount of time. The main teaching is at the home. And we can come up with many different things. But I think you get the idea. So we instruct them we teach them and one of the biggest things in training up our child in the way they should go is by example probably the biggest one I would say is by example spending quantity time with them and take note of that word quantity time with them not quality time from the quantity of time that you spend with your child you will get quality time um, but you can't just Go with your kids for five minutes here, five minutes there, and expect to have quality time with them. It's just not going to happen. And you can think about this with your own life, with God. You can't just sit down and say, I'm going to spend five minutes with God this morning, and it's going to be quality time. I can guarantee you that it will not be quality time. You're going to be thinking of a million different things. But when you sit and you read God's word and you spend time praying with him for a quantity of time, then from that quantity of time, you have moments where you have very quality time with God. And it's the same with our kids. When we spend time with them, from that quantity of time will come a quality time. And this is particularly important. It's important for both, but fathers and mothers. I'm not just talking to mothers here. Um, these principles are for both, and especially for fathers, especially if you have sons. It is extremely important. It's your role and duty as a father. Once I had Clark as a kid, 
I knew that a huge portion of my life is going to be dedicated to spending time with Clark. And when I have more kids, a huge portion of my life is going to be spending time with my kids. Um, because my example to them is going to be far greater than anything else I can do for them. Kids don't need a father who's working 24-7, although fathers need to work, don't get mad. But they don't need a father who is always overworking, even though he doesn't need to. He doesn't need a father who is wishing he was fishing instead of being with his kids, a father who is wishing he was with his friends instead of with his kids, a father who is wishing he was playing some sort of a game instead of being with his kids or was anywhere else except for with his kids. Fathers need, or kids need their fathers there with them. Kids need their mothers there with them. <laughs> so you need the fathers and mothers to provide, instruct, train, and be the example for them. The example, again, is going to be integral uh, to them. Kids need to see what you are teaching. If you are only teaching them and not showing them what you're teaching, then they're just never going to learn. In fact, they'll probably see a hypocrite. And it has a major impact, and so I have an example of this for you, actually. Um, but I kind of need to give you a little background. When I was a kid, a few things I did a whole bunch. Um, I spent a lot of time. We had five. We had seven kids growing up, so when you're homeschooling all seven kids, it gets overwhelming. So I'd spend a lot of time with my dad at the church, and I'd go play in the nursery. And across from the nursery, down the hall a little bit, was my dad's office. And in my dad's office, he had a ton of books, and I always loved the books, but he had this huge desk, and it was a beautiful desk. I wish I had his desk, but it was this really nice, beautiful desk, and ever since I can remember, I always admired his beautiful desk. Another interesting thing is we always went to the cottage, and I always, um, my grandparents would go a whole lot, and I would spend all day, it's not going to be a surprise to you, I'd spend all day fishing with my grandpa. I would literally go in the morning, and I'd fish all day with him while everyone else was doing all the different things at the beach, and then we would come home all together. And the last thing is my mom was an artist, and she was a really good artist, and she did it um, while we were growing up, and she would make a little excellent, or a little extra money for the family in doing that. And so with that background, uh, we can read what used to be my old journals. My mom would have us write in a journal every single day, so you can do the first slide. I ignore the bad spelling. I was eight years old at this point, so. <laughs> uh, so this is one of my days. I went fishing with Grandpa. We caught crabs at the falls. I went, <laughs> I don't know, sometimes I have examples, and then I show them, I'm thinking, why am I doing this right now? Uh, I want to get a special desk for my room. I like to dress up in suits. Who do you think was influencing me as a little child? Grandpa. My grandpa and my dad, that special desk. And my dad always wore a suit when he was preaching, and I always loved suits. I have another one, actually. This one, my spelling was crazy bad, but it says, I want to be a famous artist when I grow up, and I want to be a pastor like my dad. He is a very good pastor. And so... Thinking about that, yeah. <laughs> let me get my thoughts. So obviously my dad was a pretty important role in my life. <clears throat> and it's obvious to see that. I don't really need to explain it anymore. So 
I was only eight years old when I wrote that, and you can see how informative that was in my early years to get me to where I am even today. So when your kids are yelling and screaming, don't just say, let your kids be kids, right? Train them, instruct them, teach them, be an example for them. All right, so getting back to this verse, she is an instructive mother, chapter 22, verse 6. Let me get my thoughts together. Train a child up in the way he should go, and even when he is older, he will not depart from it. There are just things you... There's things I do in my life that I've just always done. I've always tried to be a good kid. You know, I try to not get out of trouble. It's things that were ingrained in me all the way from a little child. And this isn't a promise. This is a general principle. Um, In general, when you train your kids, when you are doing these things that God wants you to do, when they are older, it stays with them. They remember The things we learn early on will continue to guide us as we're older. So that's Proverbs 22.6. The last one is Proverbs 23, 24-25. Says, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice the last point is she is a joyful woman Uh, just take a quick note on the parallel here the father for uh, that first line of the righteous will greatly rejoice so you have righteous or you have greatly rejoice he who fathers a wise son will be glad in him so take note of the greatly rejoice and glad then verse 25 let your father and mother be glad and let her who bore you rejoice. So those rejoice are the same word, and then glad is the same word. So you have rejoice, glad, glad, rejoice. So the father will rejoice. Um, So my first thing is kids should try to be a joy to the parents. I just was taking note of that verse 25. Let your father and mother be glad. Kids, take note. Let your father and mother be glad. Um, Be the kind of kid who lets them be glad in you. Um, The kids should try to be a joy to your parents. Um, And when they are, uh, in so doing, they should be thinking about being righteous and being wise, right? Being uh, in the right, just being ultimately righteous in God's eyes as someone who has accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior would bring the ultimate joy and ultimate rejoicing to your parents. But being wise as well uh, in how you live your life. You don't just have a bunch of head knowledge, but you're living it out in a wise manner. Those things will bring joy to your parents. And finally, parents find joy in your kids. Kids aren't a burden in your life. Um, All these things that I mentioned previously with Proverbs 22.6 might sound harsh, but it's a joy. It's a privilege to have kids. It's a privilege to teach them, a privilege to be an example to them, um, a privilege to discipline them. All these things should be joyous in your life and not a burden. And don't focus on the negative with your kids Focus on the positive and definitely don't say the negative things about them around them. A lot of joy can be robbed from you depending on how you raise them. And 
we kind of looked at that with Proverbs 22.6. And so she should be a joyful woman. And again, talking to mainly mothers here because it's Mother's Day, but these principles apply to mothers and fathers. Uh, and people in general, the training your kids, I kind of forgot to mention it, uh, train them up in the way they should go. That's what we do during Olympians. That's why it's so important. We're being an example to them. We're training them, not disciplining them, but we'll leave that for the parents. But we're training them, right? Giving them an example. I remember all of my Olympian leaders. I remember all of my Sunday school leaders. They were good examples of Christian living for me. And they had an important role in my life. And that's what we get to do for kids today. It's an exciting thing. It's a fun thing to do. We did the carnival. And I always did the carnival growing up. And then I get to pull on a carnival for all these kids. And it's like such a fun thing to do. I remember the important aspect or the growing I had in doing that, and now I get to do it for other people, other kids as well. So it's a joyous thing to do that, and especially when you're the parent. Man, just find joy in your kids. So in conclusion, the qualities of an excellent mother is that of excellency in all that she does. She is virtuous, morally courageous, and noble. Part of that excellency is how she handles the home, how she trains her kids unto righteousness, and how she instructs them. And she is a joy, and she finds joy in her children by giving them to God, right? Dedicating them to the Lord. And so, and with that, we are going to close in a would also like to mention that sometimes Mother's Day can be a little bit difficult um, for those mothers who never were, for mothers who wanted to be but couldn't, for mothers who lost a son. And I don't really have anything to say about it, but uh, you're, you are on my thoughts, on my minds. Um, previous to this, uh, Amy and I had gone through, when we first came here, we wanted to have a kid right away, and it took a long time for us to have kids a kid and I know how hard it can be on Mother's Day for women in that position and so if you happen to be in that position um, just my heart goes out for you and you go as you go out in the world anyone um, as you're celebrating your own motherhood as you're celebrating your mothers who were um, be cognizant of those mothers who wanted to be who were for a moment and that kind of thing so um, with that let's close in a word of prayer Father, we thank you for this time that we have to <clears throat> talk about the qualities of a godly mother. Um, it's a big responsibility for mothers and fathers, for the church, um, for people to be examples, to train. Um, I just pray that you would give us wisdom and guidance as we think about our own kids and how we can train them unto righteousness, how we can train them in the way they should go, and I pray that as they grow older, they will not depart from it. I just pray that you would give us a heart for them, a heart for sharing Christ with them. We just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.